Welcome to New Freedom Church. Our mission is to be real people walking and experiencing real freedom. If you're new with us, please like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel so you get new content immediately when it's released. And we want to thank those of you who have shared our videos because it helps us to reach even more people with the life-changing message that there is a Savior who loves you and wants real, genuine freedom for you. And if you haven't done so already, go to newfc.org. Go to the Connect tab and share with us how we can best connect with you and your family to serve your needs. Well, good morning. My name is Joe, and I serve as lead pastor here at New Freedom. So glad to have you joining us today for part number four of our series called Jonah, a message from God. I believe that the reason that we come to church is that we really want to hear from God. We want to hear what he would have to say to us, and and really we're looking for a message from him. And I believe over the last three weeks we've experienced hearing from God. It's interesting, as I was sharing uh, before in, in the last part here, how that uh, God has been really showing me through the scriptures that he would speak to people. He would bring a message in literal storms, in times where they were on the sea, where waters were coming over the side of their boat. And uh, that's nonetheless the, the case here with Jonah. And in week one, we left you with Jonah being on the run from God. And I think that many people can relate with a time or two in their lives when maybe God has impressed upon them to do something and they just simply maybe went the other way. And uh, many of us can find a little bit of Jonah on the inside. And Jonah was on the run from God and he got swallowed up by a fish. And then week two, we talked about him uh, getting uh, the message from God and how that things happened in the belly of that fish. And finally, uh, God spit him up uh, out of that fish onto the shore, and he was able to uh, have an experience of, of seeing some great things happen as a result of his uh, final obedience. And sometimes it takes a little while for us to have that obedience. And uh, today we're going to talk about the aftermath of what happened as a result of his preaching and his ministering. And God wanted to get a message to Nineveh, this great city. And so he used some very normal everyday things, used some tangible things. And if if you will watch, if you will look at your own life, God will also use some very natural, normal instances or things to get your attention as well. God used a fish, he used the wind, he used a plant, and he used a worm to get Jonah's attention. Let me recap for just a moment, chapter 3, verse 10. It says, Then God saw their works, and they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. So what happened was the people repented, and God relented, or he just simply went the other direction, turned the other way. And so when we will repent, when we turn unto God, then God will stay the hand of judgment. And this is what happened for Jonah. But now look at, at uh, verse 1 in the, in the fourth chapter. I, I shared with you last week that uh, you can read Jonah in one sitting. It's only 40 verses. And so we're going to look at these last 11 verses. But verse 1 says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. We're going to talk about that word anger here in just a moment. But think about this. The people repented. God relented. And Jonah was displeased at this. Jonah was not happy. Jonah was not looking for the kind of response that these people had. He was expecting judgment and doom to come upon them. And here's why that he was displeased is that he was not in for looking at a blessing for the people who he already written off years ago. The Ninevites were terrorists. 
They were enemies of God. They were people against the promises of God. They were wicked, idol worshipers, pagan people. And so Jonah just simply could not find it anywhere in his heart to be happy about someone whom he didn't think was worthy to receive the blessing of God. Now, how many of us have been in that judgmental, critical kind of mindset where someone around us that we've already determined they're not worthy of it, they're not on the right side of the political issue, they're not uh, in the covenant, and we find them being blessed. We, We look at their life, we think, wow, look at the great blessing they're going under. But I have been good, God. I have been serving you, Lord. Why haven't you spoken to me like you spoke to them? Why didn't you give me what you gave them? And Jonah found himself displeased at the blessing of another person. Why? Because he didn't think that they were worthy of it. In fact, none of us are worthy of God's blessings, are we? None of us merit God's favor. But Jonah then became angry. And anger is a natural human response any time that we don't get our way. Think about the last time that you thought something would turn out a certain way, it didn't turn out that way. And if you're honest, there's this, this little creeping feeling of anger that rises up. Now, maybe you've mastered that in your life. Maybe you've gotten beyond that and you can just check out on me for the next few minutes until I get to the end points of this. But most of us will deal with some form of anger lifelong. It'll be something that we have to continue to bring to the cross. So the apostle Paul said it like this, I die daily, which means that as great as an apostle as he was, as as well learned in the scriptures as he was, he was still going through that refining process. Can anybody say that they're still in that refining process? God is still sanctifying us. Yes, positionally at the cross, we are sanctified. We are, uh, the old timers used to say, saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. And I love that. That happens immediately. Yes. But then there's also a process. Somebody say process. If you're from north of the border, it's process. There is, a, there is a process of sanctification that happens in our lives as God continues to smooth out those rough edges. And this anger is an issue that happens for all of us. Ephesians 4 and 26 tells us a little bit about anger. It says, be angry and do not sin. This is a direct quote from the Psalms, from the Old Testament. Paul borrowed this, and Jesus many times would borrow from the Psalms when he's giving teaching or he's giving life instruction. But here Paul says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let's break that down for just a minute. The Bible does not say that you should never and can never be angry. The Bible says that when anger crops up, when that, that feeling starts to rise, that, that you can uh, take that anger, you can be angry, but you cannot take it into a place of sinfulness. You cannot take it into a place of sin. Uh, it, it would be as, as uh, the same as saying, uh, let birds fly over your head, but don't let them nest in your hair, okay? Be angry. You can't stop anger. It's just going to come up. And Jonah found himself in this place where he was displeased. He found himself very angry, but he actually went into the place of sinfulness in it. We want to avoid that. Now, the, the Bible also in Ephesians here tells us that there is a time limit in which to deal with our anger. And it says this, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. So if you find yourself getting displeased about something, you find yourself angry, you've let that creep up on the inside, there is a short window by which you have to take dominion and control over that anger and bring bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And it's probably about one day or less. It's maybe 12 hours. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. 
on your wrath. In other words, if you are still dealing with something that is angering you that happened three weeks ago, three months ago, three years ago, then I'm going to tell you, you have entered into a place of sinfulness with that anger. You have allowed it to creep around too long. You have allowed it to stay in your life. And then the next part of the verse is where you're dealing with right now. It says, and give no place to the devil. When you allow anger to stay around too long, when you allow this anger to start manifesting in the decisions you're making about others and the way that you're talking about your own life and the lives of others, then you have given the devil a position of opportunity. The word here, give no place, the word place is topos in the Greek. And topos means a position of opportunity. In other words, you have given the devil a foothold some ground to be staked in your life, and he has an opportunity now to wreak havoc in every other decision that you're making when you allow anger to have its perfect work in your heart. Don't give the devil a place. Think of it like this. Jonah preached to a people and to a city that he didn't even like. He, in fact, went out with a message of doom and gloom and judgment. That's, that's the message he said. If you all don't repent, God's going to wipe it all away. God's going to take wrath and judgment on all of you. And I think he had a little bit of, of satisfaction to bring this message. He didn't like them anyway. He didn't want to go. He finally relented because he got swallowed by a fish. God had a, a little uh, checkup from the neck up with Jonah. And he said, okay, God, fine. You can have it your way. I'm going to go and I'm going to preach the most hellfire and brimstone message I possibly can. I think that he liked it a little bit even because he knew that these wicked people they were going to get what they had coming to them. But then when they repented, when there was a, a nationwide revival, get this picture, the king from the highest seat of authority all the way down to the, to the people at the lowest place of that entire city started a place of repentance. The king sat in sackcloth and ashes and called for fasting and repentance. You can't get any better results from a revival than that. Noah, uh, Jonah rather, Jonah preached the, the greatest revival message of the entire Old Testament, had the best response. You would think that he would be elated. In fact, we see that the prophet was deflated. He was angry. He was mad. This wasn't a happy moment for him. Notice how things change in the object of his anger. It, 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 as we go through the, the scripture here, it says that he first was angry with the Ninevites, but then something happened that he quit caring about the Ninevites altogether, and he replaced the object of his anger, and no longer was he mad at them, he became mad at God. And let me tell you this, the only person harder for you to forgive than God is you. We have a beef with God first. We have an anger of God. How could you let this happen? And then we realize I have been at the seat of every one of my bad decisions. Every one of my temper tantrums, I have been present. Every one of the, the setbacks in my life, I have been present. And so he changed his anger from being mad at the Ninevites to being mad at God. But really, when you get to the root of it, he was angry with his own self. And we're going to see that in just a minute. Look at verse 2. It says, So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, oh Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled previously to Tarsus. For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. 
So at least there's a little bit of hope for Jonah because in the toughest time of his life, he did what all of us should do, and that is that he prayed. Thank God that Jonah prayed. At least he had that going for him. He was praying to God. But he was not only praying to God, he was also rehearsing something that had previously happened. This reveals that there was a dialogue that's not recorded in Scripture that he and God had long ago. He said, I knew this was going to happen, God, because when I was in my country, before I went to Tarsus, that's recorded in chapter 1, before I went to Tarsus, you and I were having this conversation. So there's something that that we didn't see recorded that Jonah was, was arguing arguing with God. Have you ever argued with God? God ever given you a call to do something and, and you say, yeah, but God, you don't understand. My circumstances mean this and, and I don't have the funds and I don't have the resources and, and I hear what you're saying, God, but you don't know. Those people over there are going to resist. They're not going to do what you are calling me to do. He had this conversation with God. He had this internal dialogue that was happening in his head. And how many of you have ever had those internal dialogues? Well, if they say this, then I'm going to say that. And then if they do this, then I'm going to do that. And we have these dialogues. We may not necessarily play them out all in, in, in activity, but there is this internal conversation that is going on all of the time. They, they call it self-talk. You know, you have to be careful with your self-talk. That's why it's important that that you have a steady diet of the Word of God so you know what God says about you because the world is going to tell you all kinds of things that you should think about you. The world has images and messages and advertising bombarding us all of the time to give us suggestions of what we should be focused on. To help to shape policy and opinion in public circles, there are are entire think tanks and and political groups that try to influence us and so much more in an election year. We're just less than 90 days away from a major presidential election and there are all kinds of messages that are impacting us to tell us what we should think and what we should feel and how we should choose and how we should vote. And this is an internal dialogue of a thought life. And Jonah had this. You see, the quitting attitude doesn't start first with just throwing in the towel and quitting at something. It starts in your thought life. The negative downputting of other people were thoughts before they were words. Be careful with your thoughts. They turn into your words. Those that have been caught up in some type of illicit affair, it doesn't start in the bedroom. It starts in the thought life. And those that have been on the run from God who have rejected his plea and rejected his call doesn't start with your feet moving, it starts with your mind thinking. And Jonah found himself on the other side of a great revival, having finally relented to do what God has called him to do, but yet there's no satisfaction in his work. There is no enjoyment in his calling. And verse 2 also reveals something about the changelessness of God. Get this. He says, God, I just knew it. I knew what kind of person you were. You are gracious. Think about this. He is mad at God being gracious. God, I knew you were going to be merciful. I knew it. You are a slow to anger kind of God, abundant in loving kindness. Think of it. There's a little bit of Jonah in you and a little bit of Jonah in me. Jonah is mad at God for being merciful and gracious and abundant in loving kindness to a people, Nineveh, that he don't think is worthy, yet how good and kind and gracious and loving mercy was God to Jonah? See, if we could flip the script a little bit, we would see that Jonah didn't deserve 
to be swallowed up by a fish and still live. Jonah didn't deserve a second chance, a shani, a do it over, a do over again, like I spoke to you in, 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 in week three of this series. Jonah didn't deserve to have another opportunity to fulfill the calling of God, yet God did exactly that because he's kind, he's merciful, and he's gracious. And the very thing that Jonah is casting off that God did for the Ninevites, God already had done for him. And so here's, here's what I think that God would want to say to Jonah. Why are you mad at me? Haven't I been better than good to you? What's it to you if I want to bless them? It should make no difference whatsoever. That's between me and them. In verse 3, it says, Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Notice how many times me is mentioned here. Jonah has made this all about him. God, just take my life from me for it's better for me that I don't even live. He has entered into one of the deepest, darkest places that a human heart can get to, and that is the mind of the depressed. I've shared very openly in in the past how that, that I've battled with bouts of depression myself, and depression is so very real. It's something that can just come over you in a, in a flood, and, and, and there may be circumstances and reasons, but sometimes for no reason seemingly whatsoever, you can be engulfed with this flood of feelings and of emotional taxing that come upon your heart. And one of two things happen when your anger is not resolved, and this is all a result of anger. One of two things happen. Either depression can come in that which leads to wishing that you were dead or number two let's talk about number one first depression can lead you to wishing that you aren't even alive now it takes a lot of of emotional turmoil to get to the place of, of wishing that you weren't even here but that's exactly where some people get and it is such a deep dark place that all the counseling in the world many times can't get you out of that place. And it gets you into a darkness whereby you feel like there's no reason even to go on. It's just time to give up. I'm gonna have them put up on the screen the, the, the hotline, the National Suicide Hotline. I first hope that you would reach out to your local church or your small group or someone that is close to you, but if you need some anonymity, then you can call this number, 1-800-273-8255. If you feel that you are at your wit's end, that you cannot make it any more, then you need to call. You need to get some help. You need to talk to somebody who can help give you some perspective that life is not over, that you don't have to go down to the deep spire of depression to take your life. But that's exactly where Jonah felt he was. He was at this very low place. So either we get depressed, wishing that we were dead, or number two is we get into the mindset of retaliation, wishing that someone else were dead wishing that that person or those people were out of the way. See, Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. He didn't like those people. God, if you could just send a meteor and destroy them right now and I don't have to go preach to them, I just wish that they were removed out of the way and that they were no more. That would be fine to me. You know, when you start to wish that you were dead, that's suicide. But when when you wish that others are dead, that's murder. You see, you don't have to take up a weapon and kill somebody to murder them because you can murder them with your mouth. You can murder them with the words that you say. You can assassinate their character, their integrity by the things you say or you don't say. And so if Jonah could have 
told someone about the Ninevites, he would have given them a piece of his mind. He would have told them exactly the kind of people that they were. And then verse 4 says, the Lord responds. Then the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? In other words, Jonah, why are you mad? Why, Why do you have this sentiment in your heart that has caused you to be in such a depth of depression? Why are you mad? I want to read verses uh, five through nine. It says, so Jonah went out of the city. He sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. He's still kind of watching to see what's going to happen with all of this. And the Lord God prepared a plant. See, I told you God uses very natural things to speak a spiritual message. He prepared a plant and made it cover Jonah that it might shade him from his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. Oh God, oh thank you for being merciful to me, Jonah. Verse seven, but as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm. So it damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, it's better for me to die than to live. Again, he's still in this depression. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? As he said, is it right for, you, for me? Oh, as he said, it is right for me to be angry even unto death. So God asked him two times, is it right for you to be angry? And I want to ask you this morning, is it right for you to be angry? Now, we can justify our anger a thousand different ways. Well, of course it's right. If you knew what they did to me, then God, you would recognize. You think God didn't see what they did to you? You think God didn't hear what they said about you before you even knew anything was said? God knows. And God asked him a rhetorical question. And I think it's funny that a human would respond back to the divine. God says, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah says, you better believe it, God. It is right for me to be angry. And I think that God laughs at our retort as if he doesn't know. It was really a rhetorical question. God didn't need to answer. The answer is, no, I'm not right to be angry. But we feel right, don't we? We feel justified in our anger. And here's what God was trying to get to Jonah. He was trying to get the message across that if you allow that anger to settle down into your heart, it will affect every piece of your life to the point where you wish that you weren't even here. And when you stop wishing you weren't here, then you'll start wishing others weren't here as if to take them out would be the solution to your problem. Can I tell you that every person you have ever had an issue with, every person you have ever had a problem with are made in the image and likeness of God and God loves them too. They may not be serving him yet, but God loves them too. Jesus went to the cross to offer them an opportunity to say yes. Maybe they won't, but maybe they will. And maybe my actions and maybe your actions will somehow influence their decision for Christ. Here's God's final answer to Jonah. Verses 10 and 11. But the Lord said, now now this is where Jonah gets his, his lesson right here. You know, God knows exactly how to speak a word in season to us. Jonah, you had pity on the plant for which you had not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not, and should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, 
in which there are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right and their left and much livestock. This, this book ends in such a, I think, a, a anticlimactic way. Like, I feel like there should be a couple more verses or something, but God just leaves it right there. And this is where Christ is revealed in the book of Jonah, is that God's final answer to Jonah is this. You had pity. You had a human kindness upon a plant that grew up in one night and was gone. Because it provided you something of relief, you liked it. You didn't plant that plant. But then because it died, you wished that it hadn't died and even had pity on it. And God said, why then should I not have had pity upon a city of 120,000 people? And he talks about their ignorance. They don't even know the right from the left. This is how ignorant the people of Nineveh were. He said, of course I should have pity on them. And then he even went further and he said, and there's a lot of livestock there too. Apparently, God cares even about animals. And here's the message of Jonah. Christ is revealed in this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe upon him would not perish, but have everlasting life. This is Christ revealed in the story of Jonah. And here's what God is saying. People are more important than things. Let me say that again. People matter more to God than stuff. Jonah was concerned about a simple plant and God was concerned about an entire city of people. Sometimes the things you and I concern ourselves about are really pretty minor when it comes to the grand scheme of things. If we would open up our eyes and see that God is trying to reach an entire city and he's trying to use us. God is trying to reach an entire family and he's trying to use us. People matter more than things. We're going to close the service this morning. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about your internal thought life. Think about that anger that you've held onto for too long and simply make the decision today to turn it over to God, to let it go and give it to Him. Thank you for joining us today. I just can't wait for next week. You're not going to want to miss it. Thank you for sharing on social media and please subscribe. And if this message has impacted you in any way, would you just write a rating or review for us so we can reach even more people with this message? Your generosity really does make a difference. So to give, please go to newfc.org and click on the giving tab or click on the link in the video description. We love you. We'll see you real soon.